Welcome to the Spice of Life. This is Chef Matt, your host, with my producer to my left, Stefan. Hello. And our special guest is? I'm Greg Weinstock. Greg Weinstock. We're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, Greg is a owner of um, a bar slash restaurant in East Boston, and he also has one in... Um, where is it exactly? Londonderry, New Hampshire. Londonderry, New Hampshire. And we're going to talk about um, insourcing of... Uh, beers and uh, true Bostonians and uh, me and Greg know each other for probably like 10 years now just about I'd say yeah and we're going to talk to each other about a little bit of our backgrounds and uh, some other fun things foie gras and weird things (laughs) of that nature (laughs) that was on my request that was on your request all right so uh, yeah let's get this thing started let's roll let's roll Um, first question for you Greg Uh, where did you start as far as your culinary career and what made you want to be in the culinary career? Originally, you know, it wasn't something I wanted to do. They were the only people that would hire a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got a job washing dishes. And uh, three or four shifts in, somebody called in sick or didn't show is, is fairly commonplace in the, in the restaurant industry. Yeah, that's how it starts with a lot of people, and, right? Uh, they threw me on the line. I think I was dropping chicken parms <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, it's not, I think it is. People say the, the career chose them and I'd have to say that was it because sure. after that I never looked back. There was nothing else I ever, Do you, I ever did. You so know? was it in Revere where you started? No, no, this was in, in Medfield, Mass where I grew up. I've been in Revere since, uh, 2004, okay. but, I, but I grew up in uh, Medfield, small town in, in Metro West. Um, right near, you know, Gillette Stadium sure. is, is probably the biggest uh, thing around there. Easiest landmark. People, people know, you know. Um, and it was a little Italian restaurant in town called Signori's, you know. Yeah. Red sauce joint. Yeah. Like there were probably a million and a half of Yeah. Injury. I kind of started <laughs> randomly like that too. At like a little Italian place. And I was uh, basically dropping fried calamari and uh, chicken farm myself. Yeah. <laughs> At least you say calamari the right way. Not like some of those guys in New Jersey. What's the wrong, what's the wrong uh, way? Calamari. You know, yeah. Gal- it doesn't calamari. begin with the G. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> calamari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard anybody say it without the I. Oh really, Galamari? And, and, that's and, a Jersey and, thing, and like it's New York, Italian New Jersey. Thing. They say it with the with the G, like yeah. they call Capicola Gabagool. You know, like Gabagool. It's <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a grease ball thing. You didn't know this? No, I'm I'm from Jersey. Yeah, from that's North. Northern yeah. Jersey. You're a Jew from Jersey. I'm a Jew from Jersey too, but I got Italian in me, so I know how to say the Jewish way and the Italian way. <laughs> <laughs> the Italian way is Galamari, and then the, the Jewish way is like, I'll take some calamari, please. <laughs> so what what do you call pizza sauce? Pizza sauce. I mean, so you yeah you I say thought sauce. people here I say call sauce it too. gravy. Oh, you, people, so that's like yeah. the Sunday sauce. Yeah, it's, it's, it's see, to me it's different. Gra- gravy's brown. Sunday sauce is your Sunday sauce. Yeah. Then you got your ragus. Yeah. You can get into a lot of things, but yeah, Sunday. I, I call Sunday sauce so- sauce. I call pizza sauce sauce. I don't really go... Gravy is tough. I don't really go into the gravies what, as much. What about a sub? Sub sandwich? They call it... Um, what do they what? call it here? They call it um, like a... Oh, gr- grinders? Like yeah, that's the old, grinder. That's the old school. That's, that's like one that goes in the oven. Like uh, a, grind, a grinder is one that's toasted. Mm-hmm. 
So. Grinder, oh, a toasted sub is a grinder. Yeah, it's I like you know, know like the old school, like you know, they, uh, your meatball grinder goes in the oven, gets baked for a minute, comes out. I've never heard that. That's a Boston. That's thing. old school, though. Like uh, nobody calls it that anymore. Just old people. I've, yeah, I've never heard that. I'm gonna ask you a question. I ask every one of my guests. So, oh, you, th- most people have different. You know, I think we've gotten similar answers to these questions. But so the first one is favorite pizza in Boston. Oh. Uh, so it's not in the city, technically. That's okay. It's just outside. It's Chow, ah, which is right. underneath uh, basically the Tobin Bridge in Chelsea. Uh, those guys have a pretty serious uh, you know, history of, of cooking and managing restaurants in Boston. They worked for, the, I believe, the Mistral Group for a while. Yep. And they broke out, and they opened... It's a Neapolitan-style uh, pizza, you know, so cooks in 90 seconds. It is by far and away the best pizza in Boston. I think it is, too. I've been there. It's great. I mean, the flour, I think they say they ship it from Italy. Yeah, they use the, the double O Caputo. It's incredible. Yeah. Their I mean, pasta is fantastic, too. If they you do. Know that. They like, have good pasta. I, I agree. tiny joint. They're awesome. I mean, but... It's such a hole in the wall, too. To really talk about pizza, like, in the city, I break it down into categories. Yeah, let's you go. You because... Give it to you, me. You can get, go with, like, the Sicilian slice, you know, for that. For me, that's old school... Uh, Gallery Umberto in the North End on Hanover Street. Okay. You know, get there earlier. You're not going to get it. That's what we heard last week, too. That's what he said. He said that's the best pizza. But you think Chow's better, but that's... I mean, Chow's that Neapolitan style. I mean, if if you're going old school, like, New York style, like, late night slice shop... uh, I got to go old school. I go Bianchi's on the beach in Rivera. Yeah. I've never had that yet. Uh, what are you waiting for? You and Johnny keep telling me to go there. Well, I live walking distance from it, so it's it's kind of dangerous. Well, I haven't got the invitation yet. You're welcome anytime. All right, there it is. <laughs> uh, all right, so um, that's the first question. I guess, as, and then I ask uh, restaurants, if you can eat um, three places in Boston, what are your three places you want to go to? Oh, jeez. Well... I mean, my old standby is always going to be Neptune Oyster. Love Neptune Oyster. You know, winter is the best time to go because in the summer, good luck. Yep. You know, back in the day, we used to, you put your name in, they tell you it's going to be three hours. We used to go <laughs> across the street to Goody Glover's and drink. Yeah, not the there anymore. Gone, it's a shame. It is. Um, you know, that's that's number one. I I really love uh, Waypoint in Cambridge, uh, Michael Skelfo's okay. I've second never been. restaurant. It's fantastic. Is it? Okay. Um, and hmm, there's Copa. Copa. Yeah. Johnny just told me this yesterday. So Johnny's our friend who's a concierge of the Hilton. We're going to call him out right now because yeah. he tells, he tells me he doesn't want to come on the show, but I'm going to make him come on. Nobody talks like John. He's the perfect guest. Oh man. So you're, about. so you're already involving him. Oh, he has to be involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know he's going to listen and he's going to be like, why did you talk about, I'm like, I'm going to talk about him almost every show randomly now <laughs> just to piss him off. <laughs> He talked to me about that last night, and uh, he, he, and I, he and I went a couple months ago. He it said was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, I got to check Copa. It's classic. I think they just had their ten year anniversary uh, last week. Okay, two weeks ago maybe. Um, but yeah, place is it's a tiny tiny spot, and it's amazing the quality of food. That they Where is it? South End. Of. Yeah, South End. South End, right? Stefan, have you eaten at any of these places? I, I have not. You have not. Okay, gotta get out. So the easiest one for you to Neptune, you could walk to in the North End. See, I I just like after living in Chicago, the Asian food is so bad in Chicago or here. 
in Chicago. Oh, okay. Uh, China, like, Chinatown here is the best. They're like, I'm still like, you know, like I like going to Chinatown. I texted you about Crave the other day. It's Korean fried chicken. Yeah. But they're known for their like Parmesan fries. Oh, wow. I didn't know. That. Well, I, I, when you texted me, I'm like, I'm like, Crave, where is this? It's, uh, it's, it's right on the, was that Meanland Street there? Okay. It's like you walk by and you see these big giant straws in the window because they're famous for like scorpion bowls. Oh, wow. Okay. I need to go to Chinatown more. I don't, I don't go to Chinatown enough. And even last week when we were Kurt, he's like, Tell me about all these places in like Chinatown. Peach Farm. Peach Farm's amazing. See, never been to Peach Farm. Johnny was, ta- Johnny was giving me crap. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Johnny on. said the same thing. That's like your chef's home. I, even even I, I knew that that's where the chefs go. So I right, know. right there on Tyler Street. So you get Peach Farm on one side, directly across from it. Yeah. You got, you know, Brian Moy's Empire, Shoujo, Ruckus. Yep. Then his parents bought China Pearl upstairs. Like this, we so talked about a lot of this food. stuff last week, and I, I'm gonna have to go. Johnny made me a list too, so I think I'm gonna try to do we'll maybe every week, every Matt, month. Matt tours time. Matt tours Chinatown. Yeah, we'll, and we'll Boston bring a, in general. We'll bring a camera. Yeah. Oh, there you go. We'll start putting that in the po- the the videos in the podcast. Then that's good. We we are going to video soon. We are. Yeah, I've just got to get some equipment to be able to take like a camera and get it to live stream. All right, nice. That's why you got me in here now. Before That's it. the video comes, nobody wants to see me. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to me. Uh, no, we're getting, just, the, we're getting Johnny for the videos. No, the the equipment, <laughs> the problem is it's just like it's hard to get. Like um, like even from some of the largest like audio video places, some of this stuff takes like four weeks to come in. A lot of it's probably coming from China too right now, and you can't get anything. Ugh, you don't even want to yeah. touch that stuff. Exa- exactly. That's like that's like the big problem is all the end. it's having an effect on our podcast. Although Chinatown, though, best time to go right now oh, if yeah. you're looking to try Absolutely. things. It's dead. So Crave is always busy. Like they do lunch, then they close for dinner, and dinner's always packed. I was there the other night. There was one other group of people in there. That's amazing. So you got to do whatever you wanted. But see, but you've been to Crave. I have. I. I, I mean, I worked uh, on the, the edge of Chinatown for eight years. So I spent. Uh, I'd leave, walk out, and go grab lunch every day. And so so let's little... let's back up then. Let's go to how you got into your own business in the last maybe. Let's back up. What five years? Or te- uh, what's easier? So we technically. We started the company in two six in twenty sixteen. We opened in two thousand seventeen. Yep. Um, my two business partners and I, um, Peter was uh, our boss. He was the executive vice president of the company we worked for. Um, and then he bought two of the locations from the original owner, and he brought Ryan and I with us. I I used to, I was working in the corporate office with him. Um, overseeing the food and beverage for the entire um, group for a bit. And when he purchased that, you know, that position was no longer available because we broke off into different small yep. restaurant companies. So I said, um, where do you want me? And he's like, what do you want to do? I said, oh, well, why don't I be, be the GM over at the Washington Street location? Sure. And this is and a big the, restaurant group. Yeah, we don't have to say the name, but it's no, a big yeah, restaurant group. That's still uh, very involved in Boston. Not in Boston anymore. There's two in Boston are, are now closed. But oh, are there's they? There's still three of them left out there. Okay. Um, yeah, we sold. We sold uh, our second location in Boston, and it's now another restaurant that just opened. But when he took over, 
And uh, the, the great thing about Peter was, you know, he's super loyal. And the, if you work hard for him and, and take care of him, he's going to take care of you. And our end goal when we came to Boston after, you know, the sale was not to just have those two restaurants. It was to begin and, and do our own thing. Sure. So which you, we did. How long ago did you have this, this discussion or thought with him? So this, this would have been 2015. So this is when you knew you were working for your own place at for some him, point. Right. So, and then, you know, we immediately began to look. And we had a few different concepts in mind. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about them. You know, I, my, my, my thing always was like, I want to do a bar. You know, I, I want to do something that's beverage first, but has good food, you know, that's inexpensive so that, I mean, because you're going to make money times, doing that, doesn't right? matter what the economy is. People are hitting their local neighborhood bar. And that, that was important to me too, to be a neighborhood type place. Okay. And I wanted something that didn't depend on special occasions, that sort of Great. sense. I also knew what I hated after almost 30 <laughs> years in the restaurant business yeah. and what was some of our biggest obstacles and pains in the asses, staffing, uh, you know, I want to design a concept that skipped all that, got, got rid of get all rid that. of all of it. The staff is low, you know, not as much. So I, like I've been to your right. place. So I, I, I'm the, the things you're saying I'm thinking right now. I am I know almost everything you're talking about Yeah, because so, we've had these conversations before. What's one of the biggest costs in restaurants besides labor plateware. There you go. Glassware, all that stuff. So I eliminated the plateware. Couldn't really get rid of the glassware. You know, like so. Talk to us about. All right, let's let's get into this then. Sure. So y- your place right now, all the things you you tried to eliminate. Yep. All the things you tried to eliminate, right? Yep. Uh, top three is probably what staff, plateware. Staffing's a big one, yeah. So what are your what are your like five top things that you've worked in the industry for what twenty years now, right? Thirty. Thirty years, 30 and you and you've learned. All these things that you're talking about right now. So if someone wants to start their own business, right? The advice you'd give them is probably this, right? Which are these specific things you're talking about? I would say, yeah, take, take what you dislike about the industry and work around it. Sure. You know, like try and do your best to eliminate it because it'll make your life a whole lot easier and it'll make you happier. You know what? That was, that was our biggest, our our biggest goal. You can know? you get, can you tell us exactly what those things are for you? So number one, you know, the staffing. So, I mean, we went small and the kitchen is tiny. It's nine by 14. So one person can easily work it. Yeah. There's no burners. There's no oven. Mm-hmm. There's a flat top and two fry lighters. Yep. So one and everything is tight and you barely have to move. The other thing I got rid of was the need for a dishwasher. A, you know, a, person like who washes the dishes number one but two the big giant mechanical dishwasher that costs a ton of money and burns through chemicals so we have no pots we have no pans we have no plateware yeah which is genius and how did you do that well you know we designed the menu to not need it you know there's nothing that needs to be in a bowl yep big thing we have a small three-bay sink in the kitchen we have, we use, so they're 
called one eighth size sheet pans. Yep. Those are our plates. There's a little paper on them. It's just a quick dip in the in the sink in the three bay after. Yep. It's very um, simple. I've been there. It's 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 pretty incredible. And everything he's saying is is I've never thought about it. And as another chef, um, once I went to his place, I think the first thing I did notice is, wow, this is so self-sufficient like it runs itself with two people on staff you can have how many people in there uh we can have 49 or less with two people running the entire place yeah i mean it'll be a little hectic then you know you when it when it gets that busy there'll be two people in the kitchen but so three tops yeah if if one of the other um bartenders is on or me you know we can fairly easily handle that that size it's just set up nicely our store in Londonderry is bigger, you know, yes. just, I haven't been there yet, but I heard great things. It's, it's a little different, but even still you have a little more staff, but it's, it's not as run similarly though. as some, your more traditional bar or restaurants. Sure. You know? All right. Let's get into some, uh, more exciting stuff that everyone probably wants to talk about. Let's talk about Alcohol. beer. Yeah. Beer. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about beer and, uh, how you guys, uh, run your beer out of your place. You, everything's local, right? So everything on draft is local. And, um, you know, I took a look and I came up with this number. I basically drew a circle on a map and yep. said, I want beer inside here because <laughs> I great. wanted, I wanted to get New York in there. So I came up with a mileage and, uh, Katie who does all of, who handles our beer program in Eastie, you know, she's really good with finding stuff, um, inside that 250 miles because there is so much inside that 250 mile. Oh, I can only imagine. There's breweries that nobody's ever heard of that are producing incredible stuff. So we like to expose people to some of that, expose ourselves to it because, you know, we all love beer. How do you, how, so how do you reach out to these people? Do you make a phone call? Well, there's phone calls. There's also some really awesome, you know, purveyors out there. There's some, you know, there's companies like Craft Collective, um, and they're working with a lot of the smaller breweries around, yeah. you know, the, and, and they're hyper local and they're always expanding their portfolio and th- what they, they've really done a good job with putting the breweries first, you know, like that's their important. You get some of these bigger houses, those guys are just order takers and they're pushing two or three products and they don't really care about the smaller guys <laughs> yeah. because that's not where their bonus comes from. Yeah. So it's, you know, do you small have companies to do your like research that. on that. So you want the, some of the small, smaller products that they have. We, you know, that's the other thing is uh, important. And probably the best part about my job is market research. <laughs> you get the drink you know, a lot they, of beer. I, I, I do. And, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Know, like it's, it's awesome. Which comes know. to my next question. So you had, have had all these beers and, and talked to these purveyors. What are your, some of your favorites? If you're allowed to say them. Local? No, I can, I can definitely sh- share some love. I mean... Let's go like top five. All right, so... Not in any order. I mean, one of my favorite, and this is, this is about the, as far out as we go, is uh, Single Cut down in New York. Okay. They make killer beers. Um, Schilling and Resilience up in, uh, I believe it's Littleton, New Hampshire. Where's so that's so way up cut. in the where New, where uh, New York Astoria. Oh, nice. Okay, so it's in Queens. Yeah, cool. Um, so Schilling and Resilience, same company, um, same parent company, but two projects. Schilling does the lagers, 
and resilience does all the ales cool um they're fantastic same sort of thing with uh jack's abbey and springdale out in framingham jack's okay. abbey is obviously the lager side and springdale's the ales those are some of the bigger ones that i like some of the smaller ones i mean um i love everything that mass landing's doing up in portland um barreled souls in maine make an awesome beer and then uh, we actually partner, partnered with uh, Rockingham Brewery, which is based in Derry, New Hampshire. Yep. And we made a beer with them um, called the Double Deuce. So how does that work? So they have a few different spots. You know, what, what I did, and I, you know, I say I, but it, it was we, it was me and my partners. We put, compiled a list of styles and and. and in specific beers that we enjoy and we knew we wanted to do a double IPA for our second location. Sure. And I'm a huge roadhouse fan. So <laughs> double deuce. I've tried this. Yes. Is this so, what you brought the Friendsgiving? I did. Bring yeah. The Friendsgiving. Those were good. Those were really good. Yeah. So, you know, we, we laid out what we wanted and we gave them a target ABV and they crushed it. And we flew through the first batch and, weeks so where they were like okay let's continue doing it yeah and how long can you continue you can continue as long as you want i mean they're not just selling it to us it's sold in in some beer shops up in new hampshire that's so cool they have it on tap in their place um other other spots can can sell it if they like i mean it's that was pretty cool oh we also noticed you uh you guys raised money for the australian wildfires we did so um my good friend Sam Jackson, he's an Aussie. He owns Kale Pies in the shipyard in Eastie. And uh, the East Boston restaurant community is pretty tight, you know, and even more so the entire Boston community. So after Sam was in Austria snowboarding on vacation because Kale shuts down for, for a month at the end of the year, and he was on his vacay, and all these, he kept seeing all these reports from Australia and it was breaking his heart. So it, you know, it was four in the morning, his time, you know, he reached out to all of us via email and immediately all of us were like, yeah, we're, we're in, we're yeah, in. And then it incredible. blew up. I think we ended up raising just under $110,000. Does that bring the rest of our community together? Does that bring yeah, a lot of I people together? We have a lot of fun. It's, it was a fun night for us too. And the best part about it was Sam's like, I don't want it to be this big fancy thing where everybody's in the backs, you know, breaking their ass. You know, I want you guys to bring something. My crew and the the crew at um, Lincoln will handle all the cooking. You just give us instructions yeah. and you guys go out there and have fun. That's awesome. So we were all out there, you know, and there's a lot of people there. It's close to 400, I think, you know, and, you know, some some of the, the bigger names in, in Boston – culinary uh you know ming sai jb bissonette ken oranger like those guys you know have a huge media presence so i feel like a lot of chefs and restaurateurs uh there's not really the rivalry in no. boston right no, they're, they're more a community and everyone brings everyone together right yeah. like if you meet another chef you talk for a while and it's an easy conversation 100 percent, and they want to market you yeah right we all have we have fun everyone together. helps the, everybody the better the better everybody else does, the better you're doing. Yeah. 
you know, uh, people always say, oh, there's a new new bar moving into your neighborhood. Are you worried? No, that's great. Yeah. The more the merrier because then it becomes a destination. Sure. You know, like you can go and you can hop around and, and yeah. do People your thing. want to live there too. Exactly. Yeah. I've never thought about it from that perspective of like, of like, yeah, yeah, that, that it can be better. So, so you would say the more restaurants that open up. So 100%. what about, what about like downtown per se? Cause you're in East Boston. Yeah. Would you say downtown is different in terms of competitiveness? So downtown, it's, it is definitely different. It's, it's hard to do business downtown now. I mean, you look at all the, the restaurants that are closing, the rents are out of control. That's what it is, the rent, right? That's why we're in Eastie, you know, and yep. it's, it's affordable. And, and the, the cost of doing business in the city is, is crazy right mm. now. Especially in the seaport, mostly, you think? Is the seaport the worst? Seaport, so we, we operated in the seaport for 10 years. And 10 years when our lease is up, they doubled our rent. And we were one of the first spots down here. And we were like, yeah, we're not doing that. It's crazy. See you later. Because just like that, right? Just yeah, like just a snap. Basically double the double. rent. Jesus, double the rent after 10 years. It's insane. Yeah. Because this place has only been like this developed for five years. Yeah. Basically, yeah. You know, we watched it grow up around us. And I don't even, I don't get down here that often anymore. And then I come and I'm like. What's going on? I that's what most people. That's what most people say. They call it like the Disneyland of, uh, of Boston. Because the, the funny thing is, like over the summer, you cannot find any retail space or anything. Then come fall here, now there's a bunch of vacancies because they yeah. want for like a three or four thousand square foot place, they want like twenty to thirty grand a month. Yeah, which is why there's no mom and pops either. I, a lot of the places here are. Big you know, corporate and, chains. Exactly. They're corporate chains, and which makes it kind of Vegasy and, and you know, um, Disneylandy, because it's so expensive. Right. Mm-hmm. what they do is they put, like, their headquarters here of their big, you know, big shops. Yeah. They make no money, but there's so many, you know, online sales and other shops all over the place that they can... It's also a big, giant advertisement for them. Exactly. L.L. Yeah. Bean. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Even, even the movie theater upstairs movie was, theater. like, the, the company's comeback. Because I guess that they'd sold a bunch of theaters years ago. This was their big comeback. But I don't think that they're making... I, I don't think they're making that much money. Well, last week, Kurt told us he, they weren't making that much money. He said they, that you guys... you know, He was like praying people to buy popcorn. Because he's, he's like, please, when you come and buy popcorn. Because we're not making money on the movies. And I thought the movies... You, movies are expensive. Yeah. I mean, if you go with your significant out of the movies, it's like a $30, $40 night. And yeah. you think it's expensive. Uh, n- not not here. Here it's like, uh, it's like, it's like up to like 22 bucks a ticket. Well, if That's you go crazy. to the new ones, yeah, it's it, insane. If it's you insane. go to the new movies and then for food and stuff, because yeah. they, they've got like a full restaurant, full uh, bar. Crazy. It's very expensive. Very expensive. But they, um, but I, like, I, I, they're, they're starting to host a lot of events. Like, I know last night they did, like, a Netflix screening and some Ben Affleck movie screening. But, yeah, they, like... It's crazy. Yeah. So, you didn't, did you, you didn't go to culinary school? I didn't. I went to UMass Amherst. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I was cooking through high school and then... Yeah. And I was young and stupid and wanted to party and I actually like had a, a scholarship to Johnson & Wales. And I was like, I don't want to go to Johnson & Wales. I don't want to cook <laughs> for a living. I want to get a job and sit at a desk and make, you know, $150,000 a year to sit on my ass. Yeah. And, you know, that 
that never that never was, works out the way you think. No, I mean that that's what you're told. You know, work hard in school, get good grades, go to college, you get a good job, and that's just not the reality anymore. Yep. Maybe it was, you know, if if you can give years yourself ago when our parents were doing it, but if you can give yourself advice right now, and you see what 17, 18 year old you, eighteen year old me, I would have said, don't bother with UMass. Don't. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I would have said, don't bother with culinary school either. Just go work. Yeah. And work for free. Work for as many people as you can. Experience, Build experience, your relationships. Experience. Travel. Yeah. You know, go overseas and cook and learn. Peel onions, you know. Like, yeah. Like, do Everything. what you have to do. Put in the work. Because it's, number one, it's cheaper than spending a hundred grand on college. And you're probably and getting better two, knowledge, you're right? better. Because, yeah. you know, when I was 22, even younger, when I was 20, I was already a sous chef at this place. And I had kids who were coming out of culinary school as interns for me, and they knew nothing. And I'm like, you just graduated culinary school? Yep. And you've never worked a day in a restaurant? Okay. Guess what you're doing tonight? You're washing dishes because my dishwasher is more qualified to work than you are. So you just paid four years of school to be in the same position I was when I went. I didn't even go to school. Yeah. And I know way more than you because I learned the hard way instead of, you know, boiling a boiling an egg and learning how to use my knives. I use my I learned how to use my knives by cutting my finger off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Accidents. You burn yourself, and that's how you say that's hot. Yeah. Instead of in culinary school, they're like, be careful with that. No, you have to go through the hard way. Yeah. All right, let's get back into UMass uh, uh, and what, you're, uh, what you were doing there. So I originally, you know, I was 18 and stupid. And I was like, <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, oh, philosophy sounds cool. <laughs> Little did I know that, you know, there's absolutely no future in that. After, after like my first semester, I was like, you know what? UMass has a good HRTA program, which is Hotel, Restaurant, Travel Administration. So I said, let's do that because I, you know, I got a jump start on that. Sure. And I went in and I'm like sitting through the, you know, the 100 level courses. And I'm like, I hate sitting in class. <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. I was falling asleep. I feel that. You know, I wasn't a great student. Do you, pretty do you think these classes helped you at all, though? A little bit or no? So the one thing that helped was after my third semester at UMass, I knew I didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I was dating a girl at the time, and she was moving back to California. And the dean of the HRTA school was from California. And I said, I'm going to drop out. I want to move out here. And he said, all right, let me call a restaurant for you. And he got me a job. In Cali? In California. Really? I didn't know that. So, I mean, that was... That was good. I mean, I went out there for a year, and the place I worked at was awesome. It was, uh, it was called the Golden Truffle, and it was in Costa Mesa, California, just outside Newport Beach. Cool. And it was a cuisine that I had never had. It was French Caribbean cuisine, which growing up in Medfield, Massachusetts, cooking chicken parms, <laughs> yeah. I had not seen before. I don't even know if I heard of a restaurant that's ever been French Caribbean. It's It was cool that's stuff. Cool. And we did a ton of catering, so I spent a bunch of time working on yachts, working in mansions in like Laguna Niguel. Wow. You know, so that, All right, so that was pretty you cool. You can't just stop there. Tell us some, a story about that. That sounds like there's something in there that could be uh, exciting. One. Just one. Here's one fun story about cooking on yachts. Yeah. Uh, the galley. So kitchens are tiny. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. 
and it's you know that's where the term galley kitchen comes from because it's got it's just basically a little u-shaped kitchen yep. that fits maybe one or two people and uh there's no windows and in rough seas <laughs> <laughs> it gets pretty awkward we yeah, had one you're knocking everything's getting knocked off one the counter. of the, one of the other cooks he uh we found out quick that he was not to be on voyages that went out of Newport <laughs> Harbor because if there was any sort of he was thrown up any sort of see at all yeah. he was in the bathroom and you were cooking by yourself oh no but yeah so how long did he last ago. one trip out one trip out and that was I it. mean then when you're in the harbor I mean it's like glass it's not a big deal and you're putting around but yeah we caught some you know three four foot swells and he was losing it that's so cool I didn't know that I didn't know you worked on boats that's really cool yeah it's just just you know for I was in I was in Newport for a year so that's it I couldn't wait to get back here though you, know. you were done with that huh some people like that but you wouldn't oh. suggest it uh, California wasn't for me Boston Boston's home you know I wanted to be back here yeah. friends family people like me <laughs> do you think the food in California is better to be perfectly honest with you, I was so broke when I was living yeah, out there. I was eating like <laughs> a Taco Bell, Del Taco, yeah, like In and Out Burger, and like whatever I could find at Seven Eleven. Yeah, so you're not the right person shift. to ask that question. No, I was so young when I was out there. You know, like I said, I mean, when you're young, you work work cheap and learn. Of course, and that's what I was doing. So any money I made went to paying bills. It wasn't going for extravagant dinners. Yeah, that's how you learn. That's how you do the, it. Do you think In-N-Out lives up to the hype? So when I was 20 and 21 when I was out there, In-N-Out was ridiculously good. You know, I went back. The first time I saw an In-N-Out after that was when I went to Vegas for the first time. And it was good. It wasn't as good as I remembered. I don't know if it was a nostalgia Because it blew up or, maybe. Or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but it's still good. I like it. You know, I was there a year ago, um, I, or maybe two years ago, and um, I was in Sonoma with my wife, and we were uh, kind of like, you know, um, little You're honeymoon. Fancy. Yeah, I'm fancy. And uh, we went to an In-N-Out, and I've never been to one, and I've heard a lot about the hype, and I was surprised to know that um, there's a secret menu, right? Yeah. So... Animal style. And animal style. And, the animal and, fries. And these are the things you need to know when you go there. There's a secret menu. And you need to ask for it, right? Or you could order it without asking for it when you're in line. So uh, we got that. I think it's great. I think it definitely is a, a better meat, maybe. Yeah. The meat's well, a little I mean, better. Well, it's fresh, never frozen, obviously, if you're comparing it to, like, McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King. Well, I'm thinking more like Shake Shack or Five Guys. I think it's better. I'm not a fan of either one of those. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of either one either, but... Uh, they're very convenient. If you do want yeah. a quick burger, there's better burgers out there. But the the oh, for sure. cheaper and the fries at Five Guys are good. You like those? The peanut oil. Paladine says a frying peanut oil lasts longer <laughs> and burns at a higher temperature. <laughs> do you remember uh, Checkers fries? Did you ever have Checkers? I've never eaten at a Checkers. So I, I've eaten at Checkers. When I was younger, I used to have Checkers every once in a blue moon. And the fry, the only thing I can remember from Checkers is they had the best fries I've ever had at a fast food place. They put like some kind of seasoning into the fry that crisped the outside with the seasoning. And it was like a thick, crispy fry. 
and I've never tasted a fry like it before. <laughs> I, that's all I can remember from that. Anyway, uh, let's get into... Uh, so we talked about fun stories of you on the boat. Let's talk about fun stories of you uh, at your place now um, and tell us a little bit about... Um, you're, an owner, you're an owner, but you still work there, right? So, you know, as I'm getting older... <laughs> I transitioned from the back of the house into the front. I made that move probably five or six years ago. And, I mean, day to day at the bar, you know, I, I bartend. I'm on the bar four or five shifts a week. Uh, you Four down here in Boston and one up in Londonderry. And then, you know, I do all my other stuff in my downtime. You know, like when you're a small business owner... You know, you're you're in there grinding every day. Hands you're on, sitting in an office. Hands on, know. yep. It's not glamorous at all. You're you're breaking, breaking your ass. But you probably hard. you probably enjoy working in the front more than the back, right? Or no? Yes. There's things you miss um, about the back, probably. T- to be perfectly honest with you, I don't <laughs> miss the the grind every day. Um, yeah. Because what that's what a lot of people don't get. It's when you're cooking, it's it's repetition. Being yeah. a great cook is doing the same thing the same way over and over and over yeah. every day, every It's the week, same definition month, of insanity as being a good chef. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so, true, I though. mean, and being in the front now on the bar, I get to meet people. You know, I get to talk about things I enjoy, yeah. like beer, sports, music. I get to play whatever music I want yeah. in there. That's great. If people don't like it, eh. Yeah. Too bad. Too bad. They're not going something anywhere. Will, something will come up that you do like. Don't worry. Yeah, relax. You can you know, request so, something. Um, Might not be played, but you can request it. <laughs> yeah. Go, yeah. Requests. Yeah. Sure. Go fuck yourself. But, uh, you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's great. There, it does have its challenges. You know, I had to teach myself a new skill. You know, like I, you know. Yeah. Like anything else, I still learn every day. Sure. You know, if... You have to. You gotta gotta continue your. Do you get any weird weird drink requests at a place like that? Because you think Sometimes. it's mostly beer, right? Sometimes people, you know, there's one thing we. I mean, we've got a ton of bourbon. We do a, a lot of whiskey, bourbon, rye. We've got a huge Irish and Scotch section. Nice. You know. And so, you know, I'm a big brown spirit guy. Yep. Big beer guy. You know, but we do get... You, you know, pushed me into the, that a little bit. Chuckleheads walking in, ordering Long Island iced teas. <laughs> as soon as somebody orders a Long Island iced tea, Long Island iced tea, ask for their ID. You know? <laughs> it's true. I used to get them when I was on the reads. That's what I used yeah, to get. That's, that's because it fucked you up the fastest, yeah. and it was the cheapest way to get drunk. Yeah, that's so funny. That's but, true. But, um, I mean, you know, every once in a while, it's like, you know, can you make a mudslide? No, I've got no... no. <laughs> Know know where you are. So, getting on, staying on the subject, tell us a good story about uh, maybe somebody who was underage or someone that got a little attic, like a little handsy, or like 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 a, like a few of like the stories of like I don't know somebody drinking a little bit too much of that that whiskey and rum. There you go. I got a real good one. Here we go. And this, so I was at home in bed, and one of my bartenders texts me. And I was out, and I didn't see it till the next morning. And I woke up, and it was like, the first text was, what's, what's Jeff's number? Now, Jeff is 
Jeff is our door guy who works on the weekends. And I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? <laughs> so the next text is, had to call the cops. Everything's good, though. <laughs> this is what you so woke I, up to. This, I text, what you woke this, up is, to. this was at 7 in the morning yeah, when nice, I woke up. Nice. And the texts were from like 11.30, 12, 12.30 the night before. <laughs> so I said, all right. I texted him immediately, and I'm like, are you okay? What happened? <laughs> Obviously, he didn't get home till like 3 that uh. night. So he, when he woke up, he, he called me. And so this woman came into the bar, and she was in her mid to late 50s. She was wearing a black leather miniskirt and, like, a red tank top with no bra and, like, big, huge high heels. <laughs> this is great. And she walked in, and she ordered uh, a vodka soda. And... She was very loud, just talking to everybody about how she was looking to get fucked oh, tonight. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, who's going to take me home? But Jace is like, oh, <laughs> here we go. It's my bartender. He's the best. And um, so he, she had two drinks total. That was it. Yeah. Now, she was trying to make out with a bunch of people in the bar. And they're like, can you please stop? Like, cut it out. Uh, that's great. So eventually, she's, she's talking to these three guys that are there. And she's and Jace can hear it. And she's like, "All right, I want all three of you to take me home right now, <laughs> and treat me like a dog. <laughs> take me home, and fuck oh, me, you know, like, like no joke, no joke." Terrible. And Jace Terrible. is like, "All right, that's it. I, I, people are, you know, people in the bar are concerned. Everybody's complaining about." It. He's like, and he and he's like, this, "That that was your last drink." She's like, "I'm not drunk." She goes, you can't stop serving me. I have a constitutional right to drink in this oh, bar. Oh, man. And just sit at this bar and drink. And Jace's like, that's not how the Constitution <laughs> works, lady. Con- the Constitution allows private ownership. Yeah. So she uh, she kept going. And finally, he's like, listen, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Pay your tab. And she's like, fuck you. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give you something to call the cops about. And she climbed up on top of the bar and started jumping up and down. Jace said, okay. <laughs> I'll call the cops. <laughs> now you call the cops, yeah. So she's up there dancing around. He looks at her and he says, the cops are on their way. You know, this can go one of two ways for you. You can get down and cooperate now and they'll probably let you go. And so she sits down and she's still like, she's bitching and moaning. The cops show up and they take her outside. Jace goes out with her and she's getting in the cop's face, yelling at them, oh, man. Citing, citing passages from the Constitution yeah. about how it's her right. And they're kind of like, lady, come on. What is it? What is so they've got her in cuffs, right? Because she was getting a little handsy, and they're like, "If we take the handcuffs off of you, we walk away and leave the neighborhood." She says, "Yes." So no. they say, "Okay." So they take the cuffs <laughs> off her. What's the first thing she does? She punches the cop. Oh in the face. no way! <laughs> Boom, back in cuffs in the back of the cruiser. She punched the cop she, in the she face. She fucking the cop. Oh my! Wow! Like, wow! You know, this this shit doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, God, it's funny. Oh, it's funny, you and know? she's screwed. And, like, she's obviously mentally imbalanced because she wasn't even drunk. She'd only had one and a half drinks. <sighs> Do you think she, she went somewhere else before and then came? No, she wasn't drunk. So she's just fucking she, She's just, mentally she's out of it. She's batshit crazy. Wow. <laughs> you know? And there's a lot of people like that out there. We had one guy that we used to call Aquaman. Katie came up with that name. We called him Aquaman because he would come in and he would order a water, no ice. And he would just sit there <laughs> and creepily stare at people drinking water. And it, he would be there for hours. And Wait, he was specific he enough full. to say no ice? 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so every once in a while, he'd be off his meds, and it, it, I found out later that he was he's a local kid that had some issues. But he'd be off his meds and doing crazy shit, and like we'd have to, you know. Yeah. One of the gr- if one of the girls is there, you know, they call the cops and they come and they take him away and you know they, he's got a restraining order he's not allowed within Ugh. like two blocks in business but it's not just us he'd do the same thing at CVS <laughs> and like other this it's as funny you know, as funny as all these things stuff. are right as funny as uh, we can laugh at them right but in the in the like to get serious about stuff mental illness is like it's so sad yeah it's so sad and it's like the biggest cause of all this crazy shit happening nowadays yeah, you know, and I think um, our mayor or governor, you know, the things that they're working with right now, and they got to come up with some kind of plan to, you know, where to—I don't know where to, maybe where to put these people or a place for them to go, because I don't know if there's enough help for them, and that's why they end up no, at bars, right? Isn't. Well, is it ever funny in the moment, or is it always <laughs> no, after? No, I mean, it, sometimes it's funny in the moment, but most of the time it's it's fairly stressful because you still have a full yeah. bar of people to serve, and the other people are like, what the hell is going <laughs> on? And you're like, how the hell do I you know, keep this from escalating, and how do I put an end to it quickly? Yeah. You know, there's another night where we had a guy who was in there. He was So before we opened our, our space, had been another bar that had not a great reputation it was you know i enjoyed going there for a beer too but it was keep your head down don't talk to anybody don't look at anybody don't make eye contact you know it was one of those type places places. no this was this was where renegades and eastern used to be the victory pub and so you know when we first opened a couple of the old timers would still come around and one night katie was on the bar and this guy was just being an asshole and he was pissing all the other bar guests off and pissed Katie off. Katie had had enough and she said, hey, pay a tab and get the fuck out. Yeah. And the guy caused a stink. <laughs> I came out. I'm like, I was, I'd been downstairs. I was doing some work and I was like, all right, man. She asked you nicely. You know, yeah. pay a tab. You're not walking sure. here. And I said, you know what? Your tab's on me tonight. Just get I out. I think I heard this story. Go ahead, though. So, a few of our regulars at the bar, and I'm standing between him and another bar guest who's a regular, who's, I'm not going to name any names, but he's fairly well known in the in the beer industry. Sure. And, um, you know, the guy kept barking and talking. <laughs> so, the guest turns to him and goes, you know, why don't you go home and get your fucking shine? Oh, no. Set the guy off. <laughs> I'm laughing and he's like yeah. he's like I'll stab you in the fucking neck with this pen and he's got a pen uh, on his head. I'm like no you won't he's like what are you going to do about it I'm like I'm not going to let you stab anybody with the uh, pen that's yeah. what I'm going to yeah. do time to get yeah. out but see you later you know like this stuff is so rare you know we have you know like I said we're a neighborhood bar and we have a ton of regulars and they look out for us too. Have there been like fights and stuff? Not really. I mean, uh, like a couple, but nothing escalates. You know, like we don't let it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, plus we're, we're not that big, and we're not, for lack of a better term, it's not a meathead bar. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great spot. It's right off the train. It's easy yeah. to get to if people when people are going home from work, right? 
Yeah. Or well, going. It's at, the inter- it's at the intersection of three cities, basically. It's right where East Boston, Revere, and Winter meet. Sure. Right at the Orient Heights train station. So that there's so much housing. Yeah. It's, it's a great it. location. It is. It is. It you is. guys got like lucky said, with it. Neighborhood bar. You know, it's, it's what we wanted, what we set out to do. So um, change the subject. Uh, so you have partners. Uh, yep. Do you think it's better to have partners in a business? And uh, how long does it, would it, is it going to take you guys to break even on the businesses you owned or your businesses you started? We've already paid off East. That's great. You know, we did that. We did that aggressively. That was that we had a two-year plan for that. So it took you two uh, years to do that. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, we're doing a little slower um, by design because you pay it off quicker. It means you make less in the beginning. Sure. So London Dairy, we're doing the opposite. We're paying it a little slower so we can, you know, help our own pockets, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, good for you. Um, but yes, I the partner thing, for me, it's a no-brainer. Number one, we all bring specific things to the table that we're good at. So is that what you would say to somebody else when you do find partners, make sure that you guys bring something to the table? Yeah. I mean, we'd all worked together for almost 10 years yeah. before we did this. So we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, there are things that I'm not good at. There are things that Ryan's not good at. There's things that Peter's not good and at. And you guys balance but everybody. one of the other ones balances Yeah, it that's out, great. You know, and Peter, Peter knew real estate which helps, yeah, you know, so, and it still helps. I mean, <laughs> he's out there looking for new locations, you know, that he's always doing that sort of scouting thing. You know, I came up with the, the design, like the, the beverage, how we were going to operate beverage in the food program. Ryan helps with the food. Sure. You know, we all balance each other out. You know, yeah, it's incredible. It's, it makes life easy and it takes some of the stress away. Yeah, no, it's a gr- I mean, I think that's great because even for someone like me that, you know, maybe possibly might want to open something someday or anyone who's listening that might want to open something someday, I've always, in my mind, thought I can't, I can't really do it myself. Not that I can't do it myself, but it would make more sense for the things that I am weak in, like you're saying, to have somebody's strength is what I'm weak in and, you know, vice versa. Right. And those and things I mean, make total sense. Also, you know, like right now, you got two little babies on the way that could <laughs> pop out any second. Yeah. If you had your own business, two week the first two weeks after the babies are born, yeah. you're you're not doing you're not working. Yeah, no. You can't. You're right. So you have your people to lean on. Your support group there that, you know, sure. Shoulder some of the, the weight while you're out. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um babies, twin babies. So did you guys bring in like consultants or anything to no. help? No, no. With I mean, like consultants, I mean, consultants, <laughs> the restaurant consultants are people who failed in the business <laughs> and couldn't make a living in the business, so they found another way to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they say, like, "Give me a big bulk of money, and I'll help you start your restaurant." And then I'm we've leaving. We've all been we've all been successful for years. So then, so. Yeah. Like, how important is like lighting and sound systems for? Because I, I I've been reading some stuff on like the psychology. Like for sound systems in a restaurant, you want to go with something really high end, typically. You want it to sound good. Yeah. I mean, so we, I mean, we built both of them. We did a majority of the work ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like I, uh, in East Boston, I did 
the sound. I wired the sound. I did the TVs, all that. Um, but I, so I reached out and I had somebody design it for me. And, and there are companies that will do that for free as long as you buy the products from them. So you can have a couple people put together what they think a, a, a good sound system for your size location will be. And then you have somebody else do it and you have somebody else. And you take the, you know, you kind of look at that and then you say, all right, this is what we're going to do. And then you go from there. Um, lighting, I mean, we had fun with the lighting. I, you come into Eastie and you see these two uh, light fixtures that I actually found at the, the Brimfield Antique <laughs> Show. That's cool. Um, they were still, they're like vintage. Uh, one's Miller High Life, one's a Miller Light light fixture that were from 1985 and still in the box. That's so, so they're cool. Pool table lights and those are hanging. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. You 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 do what you can. I mean, we did it for short money because these big expensive buildouts are harder to pay off. And you sounds like you had fun with it too, though. Finding we these did. lightings and finding things you wanted, making the we bar. I know you had it. fun with, right? Yeah, I mean, fun. It's hard work. Well, yeah, but, but it's uh, what you wanted with the bar. But we got what we wanted. The end result was hard is we got what we wanted. You know. Yeah. But we were we were in there nights and weekends on our days off because we were still operating restaurants at the time. Yeah. I mean, I remember so not was, talking to you for weeks, or, and even maybe like a month a or two. It was a lot of sleep, but it was worth it. You know, at the end, I walk in there and I'm like, eh, it's, "It's incredible." It's home now. Yeah, yeah. and you, you love know. it. Yeah, you I love do. it, and you got to a point in your life now where you're, you know, like you're not killing yourself in the back. No, it's great. No, I, I enjoy bar. I get a bartending shift tonight. I'll be on the bar at six. There you go. And I'm looking forward East to Boston. it. East Boston, check it out. Yeah, Renegades. Renegades, East Boston. Renegades Pub. Um, St. Patty's Day is coming up. Yeah. Uh, what is, uh, what do you suggest for people to do celebrating wise and coming to you and do you guys get crazy? No, St. Patrick's Day is just another day for us. Okay. Um, East Boston is not a huge Irish population. It's mostly Italians, um, Latin Americans, um, you know, back in the day it was a lot of Germans and, and, and a big Jewish population, yeah. actually. Orient Heights is, you know, it was, there was a lot of Irish originally. I mean, that's where the, the Kennedys lived sure. back in the day, but now not so much. You know, most people come down this neighbor, neighborhood and they're in, they're in Southie, you know, Which, yeah. there for the parade. Crazy. And uh, Harpoon has a big day that day. What would you suggest uh, someone to do who, who doesn't want to go into the, like, the craziness in Southie? Oh, I stay away from that. I mean, if if back in the day, so I used to I used to work the door at Tiernan's and Dooley's back in the day. But uh, I mean, Tiernan's is now closed, but Dooley's is one of the best spots on Patty's Day. You get killer Irish music all day. You, you better be in line at eight a.m. Yeah, do, have you been to Dooley's, Stefan? I have not. Okay, it's about as authentic as a yes. Irish pub you get outside of Ireland. It's right next really? to the Hilton in. Uh, in the financial district over here, yeah, it but it's, it smells it's like Guinness when you walk in the door. Yeah, they, I believe they claim to serve the most Guinness per square foot in the world. Wow, wow. even more than like that Ireland, an Irish I guess, pub. Yeah, all right, like maybe in, it's maybe it's oh, in the United States, but the US. Uh, <laughs> but it but it's insane. Like because it's a small joint and they fly through Guinness. Because you guys like don't do Guinness, right? Cause it's no, we don't do Guinness because um, 